Thank you for tuning in. We trust you will feel encouraged, uplifted, and inspired to build God's kingdom with us. Enjoy the message. This year, we want to kick off by encouraging you to uh, walk a year of faith with us, a year of plenty with us, a year of growth with us. And uh, people have asked me a number of times, so what is your vision for 2020? It's simply this. Simply this, listen to me, not, not rocket science, to do what we did last year better. We trusted God for 500 salvations. We almost got there. But we didn't disciple all of those. And that's what we want to do better this year. We Im- int- immigrated, we integrated about 400 people in small groups last year. Am I right, Nick? Roughly. Am I lying? You don't look convinced. Okay. So we filled life groups, but... Uh, and so on. So there's a lot of things. We want to do things better this year as well. And uh, that's basically what, what my vision is, my dream is, what we have done. Because, you know, I've, I've, I've really d- twisted my, my brain cells by trying to find out new vision, new dreams over the last 35 years of, of preaching the gospel. And every time just, I feel God is just saying to me, it's in the Bible. Go and make disciples of all nations. Teach them, baptize them. What can change? You know, the vision is there. It's casted 2,000 years ago, Jesus casted vision. And we just make it nice and smooth and pat it and give it different words. And, and that's the vision. Okay, so what we did last year, reaching, the last, reaching this community, we're just going to do better this year. And that's what we strive to do as well. So if you're looking for a church, I put it on Facebook page and Rand Park this morning. If you're looking for a church, the barn is a good church. We don't profess to be perfect, but we are sincere. We're down to earth and uh, we're willing to see where we make mistakes and, and hopefully try and do that better as well. So uh, I think it's a good family church, this. I... I, I would stay here if I wasn't paid, and I would stay here. All right, so uh, the year of plenty. Now, I know exactly what you think. You think I'm going to speak about dollars and, and, and so on, and, and I'm not. I'm not. I'm going to, maybe one of the six sermons in this series I'm going to preach on, on, on plenty of giving or plenty of finances. But the first thing I think is very important, I want to trust God for more faith. A year of plenty faith. And let me explain to you what I mean as we go through that as well. A year of plenty of faith, right? So everything significant that is done by any individual or any believer was done on the basis of faith in God. Anything significant. There's many other things that were done that, that, are, that are great things. But the most significant things I think that are done on earth are things done based on faith which has an eternal value. For me, that is really, really important. I love people like Uncle Mandela and a whole lot of other people, but I love people much more, and I'm sorry to say that uh, to, to, to some of us as South Africans, I love the eternal value what people of, 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 of the stuff that we put into this world. For me, that is so important. So when you read the Bible and the history of the church, you'll see there that big or small and in whatever way, followers of the Lord Jesus Christ were seems to have been relentless regard and, and uh, uh, trusting God regardless of their circumstances to do and to pass on the faith that you and I have today. And my, my concern is always that you and I would live in such a way that our faith would be so real that we would live in such a way that we don't pass just forms and traditions on to our people because as I said last year as well, that it is a fact that if you don't pass on a living faith to your children, their children will not follow Christ. Because if you don't have a living faith, living it out in your home, your kids will have religion and your grandkids will 
revolt against that. They don't, they don't want that. So that is our aim, and that is our goal. Our biggest goal in life is not to build a big church. That is just God's grace, and if it happens, it happens, and I'm very grateful, and we work very hard to do that. Our goal is basically this. Run this race with everything in our energy to run it well so that our children and our grandchildren would walk with Jesus. So our children, we somehow got right. Now my next concern is grandchildren. Once I know that there's a tick behind their name, Angie, I'm, I'm okay. I'm going to settle down, you know, I'll, I'll go and uh, plant another church or something like that. But that's my two biggest goals. Uh, obviously, our goal is to walk with God so that our children, our grandchildren. All right, so, so let's go on there about stuff that we do in faith. I believe, my dear friends, when countries are doing well politically and economically, it's normally the worst time of the church during that period. And the church takes a decline. And I hope I'm wrong. But that's sort of the research and the, the stuff that I've observed. When things go too well, it seems like we, we don't really need God anymore. We, we take a dip and we walk away from God. And we turn to man-made idols and man-made gods and worship them instead of the one who is the God, the only God, our God, supposed to be our passion in life. I love people and, 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 and watch people who take, uh, who have such a passion to advance the kingdom of God, who don't allow any physical conditions or any surroundings or any doubts of, in their own hearts or other people's hearts or any distractions to distract them from advancing the kingdom of God. I enjoy those kind of people. I want to follow those kind of people. People who don't let any obstacle attack negativity or any other influence Take them away from their resolve, which is to live this life in faith for the glory of God. I, I mix with those kind of people. That's the kind of people that really, really excite me. And, and, I, and, I, and I mix with them, and I've seen some of their mistakes, and it's okay with me. But I also see the results that they have produced in their lives, and that excites me. 2020, my, my dear friend, for me, should be in this church, in my life and your life, a a. a a need for us to develop people here, Barney's here, this community here, that will be faith growers. So what I want you to do is grow your own faith and grow the faith of people around you, people who are in your community, at home, at work, and here in the church as well. I'm trusting God will stretch your faith this year. And you know what? Every time God stretches my faith, it coincides with pain. I don't like it. That's how he does it. That's how most of the time. When God wants to stretch my faith, it, there's always a bit or a lot of pain that goes either before, during, or sometimes even after that as well. I want to influence you, and I want you to influence me to walk this walk of faith. Now, let me read a couple of verses because it is so strange when the Bible speaks about faith. In Matthew chapter 17, as he calls it a mustard seed. You know, I, I, want a, I want a truckload of faith. And God says, all you need is like a mustard seed side kind of, a science kind of faith to do what I want you to do. Listen to it. You're going to turn with me in Matthew chapter uh, 17. And I'm going to read a couple of verses. Then I'm going to go to Hebrews chapter 11 as well. And I'm not going to read the whole passage in Hebrews chapter 11, but just highlight a few things. Matthew chapter 17, let me paraphrase for you. A demon-possessed boy uh, is, is the, the subject or the object or the person spoken about here. So this father comes to Jesus and he is so upset because he says, you know what? My boy has been demon-possessed for so long. And your disciples, and I'm paraphrasing, your disciples, those followers of you, they could not heal him. And then Jesus gives a little bit upset. 
a little bit irritated. Well, it sounds like it by the words that he used in verse 17. You unbelieving and perverse generation. Now, that's not nice to speak to your disciples like that who given up their jobs and their time and, and, and they can't drive out a demon. And you're saying to them, you unbelieving and perverse generation, he says. How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy here. I don't think this was over a cup of tea. I don't think he says, oh, my boys, you know what? This is really not nice of you. You don't just listen to what I tell you to do. I mean, these are strong words, isn't it, Nick? These are, I mean, he's, he's a bit vus with him, you know? And, he, and then he says, bring the boy here, bring him here, bring him here. And, says, and he rebukes the demon. The demon goes, and then the disciples take him aside and say, you know, Master, why couldn't we do this? What's wrong with us? Why couldn't we do this? And then he looks at them, and I think he's a bit calmer now, because, and he says this, because you have so little faith. You have so little faith. Truly, I tell you, if you had faith... The size of a mustard seed. How small is a mustard seed? I'll come back to that in a moment. He says, if you have that kind of faith, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Now, now I'm telling you, I don't know people like this yet who have moved mountains. I've tried that. How many of you, come and be honest with me. How many of you have stood in front of a mountain and said there's some honest people and say, in Jesus' name, this is what the Bible says. I'm going to test this verse. Mountain, move. In Jesus' name. Please don't move the Harapias Badam or the Val River or anything like that. Uh, you, know, you know, but I mean, don't we try something in our naivety and our almost it's stupidity and our infancy in our faith that we're saying, let's take, and, and what he's saying to you, if you just have a little bit of faith, you can do a lot. You can do a lot. You see, he speaks to them about mustard seed faith. Mustard seed faith. And like I said, they can't exercise the demon. Jesus gets upset. And Jesus says, all you need is a little bit of faith. Now, if you take the, 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 the top of a matchstick, the mustard seed is even smaller than that. And if you squeeze it hard, the, the fat in the skin of your finger will actually, nobody will be able to see the mustard seed. Very insignificant in a sense. And he tells them because of your little faith. You see, faith is important in our walk with God. Faith is like a muscle, and I'll come back to that a little bit later. It's got to be exercised in order to grow as well. The next bit he talks about when he speaks about this mustard seed faith is in Luke chapter 17, verse 6, and he says this, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it will obey you. How many of you have tried to move trees in your garden without digging holes? And you know, it seems like, what, what are you meaning here? You know, surely, it, it's obviously, he's speaking figuratively. He's not, you know, but what he's saying to you is, if you've just got a little bit of faith, you can tap into my power that you won't be able to calculate. Just like this. And I say, Lord, I've walked with you for 35 years. This is where I want to grow this year. This is where I want to grow a lot more this year. You see, perhaps I need to help you a little bit with your definition of faith. Because sometimes when the Bible speaks about walking by faith and, and what faith is, we think that, that our definition of faith is that I've got to believe without proof. It's like stepping into a very dark room and, and you step into this room and they blindfolded followed you and you step into this dark room and they close the door and there's no windows, there's nothing and they take the blindfold off and they say, find the pen. And you say, that's how faith is. Now that's the furthest what, from what faith really is. Because you know what faith, the definition of faith really is, is to put your, to put your complete trust and confidence in someone or something that is worth or worthy 
of your trust. Someone who has proven to you over time that they are worthy of your trust. That is faith. Faith is based on a relationship with a God who has proven himself. We are not in the dark, my friend. We're not in a dark room not knowing where's up, where's down, where's exit, where's the window, where's the door. No, he has given us everything to believe in this Bible and in the history of the church that God is able, powerful, active, alive, well, what he says he is. So my faith is not based on some blind, dead, dark kind of stuff, but it's reality. Faith is confidence. Matthew chapter 13, verse 31 to 32, he uses faith again in a different, uh, the mustard seed, and he uses it in a different context. And he says this, he says, the kingdom of heaven, now he uses uh, first your faith, and now he says, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in the field. Now listen to what he says about this mustard seed. He says, though it is the smallest of seeds, Yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds become, uh, come and perch in its branches. Now let, let me just say, if you do your research, you will see that there are smaller seeds than, than, than um, mustard seeds. There are smaller seeds. So Jesus obviously speaking in the context to a farmer or farmers. And, and illustrating a point of all the seeds that you are sowing, that the mustard seed is a very small one. And he says, the kingdom of God is like this. Now, this is a sermon on its own, but let me tell you, what is so important to understand here is that the kingdom of God is like a seed that when it's planted, it grows. And when it grows, it becomes the biggest in, in your garden. And when it's big, it, it gives a shade and a place for nests, for birds and stuff like it. And it produces fruit as well. And that's what God is saying. Kingdom stuff don't go backwards. They go forwards. They grow. And I'm not just talking numerically because sometimes more growth is taken when numbers have gone down in the church than when numbers went up. Because it could be a really powerful thing to do is I get Joe to sing here next week, his wife to do a drama here because that's their gift, and, and we just pull, start pulling people in here who are singers and dramatists, you know? And so and we think we're growing a church, and, and as a believer, obviously, they would draw people to Christ. But we think with gimmicks and lights and stuff, we're drawing the crowds, and we think we're growing the church, and sometimes it doesn't. It grows numbers. People come to church and not to Jesus. And that happens. Ah, some people faithfully have walked with the church for five years and then they fall away. And I say, but God, why? It's because they came into an environment where they felt loved and connected and, and had a life group and, and even married the, somebody on stage and, and stuff like that. And when, when, the, when the pain comes and when the test comes, they fall away. Jock, why? It's because they connected with the church and not with Jesus. So, but there's growth. Growth has got to take place. Effectiveness has got to be there. The mustard seed. What am I trusting? Where, how am I extending my faith for kingdom's sake? You see, most of the stuff that I'm trusting God for, if you're really honest with me, is for me. My car, my house, my increase, my this, my this, and not kingdom. How many of us get up every morning and say, Lord, bless me financially today so that I can sow it into your kingdom? Lord, give me a new car so that I can give my car, my new or my old one away. You know, I don't know what your faith, you know, it's, it's all me, mine. Gather more, gather more. I'm telling you, I'm getting one, a pastor that's in, in our town to this church, and I'm, we, we're finding him. He said, yes, he'll come. I'm just nailing a date with him. Who is, if you're on Facebook and you see this, he's B-I, 
Paketi or something is his surname. I'm getting him here. I'm going to have coffee with him. An amazing guy who's just sowing and sowing and sowing and sowing into our community, mustard sign, because he's got a kingdom mind and not a me and my mind. Mustard seed. You see, faith or Christianity is a faith-based religion. We have our faith in God and in His Son and in His Holy Spirit. God has provided us. He's spoken through His Word, the Holy Bible, or the Bible as we see it, a testimony of God's faithfulness here as well, throughout history as well. The bare essentials are here for us to believe. Christianity is a faith in the person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is it. There's an atoning sacrifice. There's forgiveness of sins. There's righteousness. There's all the stuff, and we And in a nutshell, that's the message of the gospel to you and me. And as Christians, we are called to believe this message and to live in the light of it. And most of us believe in the message, but we don't live in the light of it. And I'll come back to that in a moment as well. This is the message that you and I have got to believe and live in its light. So Paul says to us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, and he exhorts us and he says, walk by faith and not by sight. Now it does not mean you in this dark room. But it sometimes means you're trusting God for something you ain't have not seen yet. <laughs> you know? And he speaks and you gotta do it. And you walk by trusting in him. And I'll tell you some guys who did this, and it blows my mind to think when I read Hebrews chapter 11, if you would like to go with me there so long. Because sometimes we see a contrast between truth and perception. Sometimes what is true and my perception of it is not the same. And that's what I sometimes got to battle is what is true and what is just my perception. And there's sometimes a real struggle in my faith like that. Is I follow perceptions rather than truth. Instead of truth, rather than perceptions. Hebrews chapter 11. He has an amazing passage. Now, faith is the confidence of what we hope for and the assurance of what we do not see. It doesn't mean you're in a dark room. Don't listen to me this morning. But years ago, many, many, many years ago, when I was a really young pastor and so on, I preached in a church here in Johannesburg, and I preached on this passage, and I thought I'll really teach people on faith. And afterwards, two ladies came to me and said, now I'm more confused when, you know, after your sermon because I still don't understand what you mean. What is faith? And faith is the confidence, the confidence of what we hope for. Not like this, I hope I'm going to get that Ferrari. No, it's the confidence in what we hope for. Trust, another word for hope. Confidence in what I trust for, what I hope for, and the assurance for on, in what I don't see. I, I cannot see my salvation, but I'm assured that I have it. I'm confident that I have it. See? All right, now let's read through here. Uh, verse 3, but by faith... We, By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what is visible. And I'm not going to stop there, but this is an important verse as well. Abel by faith, Enoch by faith. Wouldn't you, and you're going to read it at home, meditate on some of the stuff. You know, the the fantastic thing about Enoch is you were his friend, so you walked with him and suddenly he was not. Enoch just disappeared. Can you imagine if we go to the shop tomorrow, PT, and suddenly I am not. And you you go around, you tell the church, you know, Rolf went to the shop with me and God just took him. He He just went and joined God. And you'll go, ah, that's exactly what happened to Enoch. They couldn't find him, he's gone. He just disappeared with God and so on. That, that, that's, uh, you know, I, I like that kind of thing. You know? Verse 6, it says, 
And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and, and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So, so I'll, I'll come back to this again in a moment. There's a place where by faith I come to God. I come. This is my starting point. By faith I come to God. I give my life to Jesus. It is my starting point. Now I've got to walk with him and he rewards those who earnestly seek him. That is the ongoing walk of faith that 2 Corinthians speaks about. And that's where the reward comes in. That arm ongoing walk of faith. I dare to say to you today that it is the most fantastic thing to start with by faith and give your life to Jesus. But the reward really comes in the walking with Christ. The walking with him. The challenges come there, but the reward comes in there as well. By faith, Noah. I mean, somebody calls you to make a boat. You have not heard, don't know what a boat is. You've never seen rain in your life. And he says, it's gonna rain. You say, what's rain? And God says, don't worry, build it, it's coming. It's going to be a lot of water. Just build that boat. And you build this thing that is abnormal and enormous, and your friends think you're mad, and, and you just say, I believe God. I believe God. He has spoken. And you build it, and vrachti, the rain comes, and the reward is there. By faith, Abraham. By faith, Sarah. Sarah's an old tiny at this time, but still believing that God is going to give her a child that God has promised. And people smile at her and laugh at her. And I wonder what they thought. How old was she? She was about 80, I think, or, or, or plus when she, had, uh, when she felt pregnant. I mean, girls, ladies, can you imagine what your neighbors will think? If at 80, how many of you are 70 plus? Yeah, I can see you, you know. If you come here next week and say, I'm pregnant, we are going to, Rejoice with you, and, and she says, you're going to rejoice with you. Yes, the day I'm telling you. But she just believed. She just believed. That's the kind of faith that God smiles upon, that he loves, okay? Uh, Noah, Abraham, Sarah, and so on, and all the experiences. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph. And here's another one in verse 24. By faith, Moses' parents. Sorry, verse 23. By faith, Moses' parents... Hid him for three months after he was born. Now, now it says here, not only did Moses have faith, and, and you never hear about the faith of Moses' parents, but they must have brought him up in the ways of God. You know what the Bible actually says? They saw that this was an extraordinary child. Now, we all think that, don't we? Yes, I thought my three were the best. There is no, and when they're teenagers, I really knew that I was wrong. You know, I didn't, what I believed was wrong about my kids. You know, they were the best when they were born, and soon after that, they were cattle children. So... <laughs> So Moses' mom and dad looks at this dude and says, this is an abnormal, supernatural, this is, this, this is a destiny child. Hit him, hide him. And then by faith, Moses, he started and he believed and he fell and he did this and he wasn't always walking as he should. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell apart. Now, now let me tell you this picture. You know, if you, 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 you're in war, you're a, you're a soldier. And, 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 and your, your commander says, God has spoken to me. And what we're going to do is we're going to take the city of Jericho. And this is the way we're going to do it. We're going to just walk around it seven times. One every day and the last day seven times. We're gonna, that's, how, that's our strategy. How many of you will sign up as a soldier? Yes, I will find another place to go to. I, I've got shopping to do. You know, I've got, I've got a different mandate. No, 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 no. This is mad. Who did you listen to? Who's the lunatic that gave you that? Come on. No, God spoke to me. And, and you know, they brought in somehow, and here they are. One day, not, say nothing. Two days, and the last day, they used the cannons and the bows. and No, they played trumpets and music and shouted. 
That is not a strategy, folks. That's a, that's a recipe for disaster in my book. And God said, that's how it's going to be. That's how it's going to be. I'm going to do this. By faith, you do it. I'll break down this wall. And they, the walls came down and they took that city by faith, by faith. You know, and I'm asking God, what are we going to do by faith, church? That we will look back in 5, 10, 20 years time and say, that's, that's what God did through us. All right, let's go on here. Um, verse 32. And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell you about Gideon, uh, Barak, Samson, uh, David, Samuel, and others as well. Can, 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 would it be so nice if God just puts our name and one day people read the whole list of people that by faith did and put your names there? And even if you did a little bit like it or much like it and says by faith, this Pete's there as well. Um, Jock is there. Nick is there. Uh, all of us, our names are in a, in a it's going to be a big book maybe. Maybe we, we will, yeah, see your name there as well. This is what they did. By faith, these guys conquered kingdoms, administered justice, gained what was promised, shut the mouth of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, escaped the edge of the sword, um, whose weakness was turned into strength, who became powerful in battle and rooted uh, foreign armies. Women received their dead back, raised to life by faith. There were the, uh, others who were tortured. Well, you know, this is, this is not, not the kind of faith walk I want you to have. Who were tortured, uh, refusing to be released so that they might gain even a better resurrection. <laughs> this is an eternal value on things. I'm, I'm okay with this. I'm beat me up, burn me, kill me, because I'm gonna, when I get up here, I'm in a better place. I'm in a much better place. Yes, I don't know if I'm there yet. I don't know if I'm there yet. And then it says, some face deers, flogging, chains, imprisonments. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskin, goatskins, destitute, persecuted, mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and holes and grounds. Can you just stop where you are and say, you know, God didn't do what I wanted him to do, and he didn't come through here, and he didn't do this, and it's because it's all for you or whatever. And God says, by faith, just hang in there. Hang in there. Because this is one of the worst Scriptures in the Bible for me. Listen to this. They were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. That's not fair. None of them received what they had promised. In other words, for all of them, it was a faith for another generations or generations to come. They held on to that promise and the benefits was for their grandchildren, great-grandchildren or generations after that. That is why you and I believe because people before us hundreds of years suffered and didn't see the promise. We gain the promise and the fulfillment of the promise. This is amazing. And the Messiah is one of those things that was promised hundreds of years before, thousands of years before he actually came. Can you imagine if Abraham says, it's not, never going to happen, I give up. Moses, I'm not taking these people out of this land. Let them just suffer there. David, no, 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 no. I've been too bad anyway, Lord. I've slept with another guy's wife and I killed him. I'm, I'm not, and, and out of all of this, the Messiah came. My friends, hold on to the promises God has given you. Even if you don't receive what he has promised you, and I ask you, is will it be okay for you that God gives you a promise? It's like an, a major inheritance building up in your bank account. And you're never going to spend a cent. And your great-great-grandchildren are going to inherit it all. 
I've made it clear, whatever is in my bank account goes to the SPCA. So you just got to love me, kids. So they still love me because they think it's going there. You know, can you imagine you building up this deposit of faith and inheritance and you are not going to see the fruit of it? It's a, you'll, you'll see an aerial view of that. That's the kind of faith God is looking for. You see, faith, I believe, is a powerful gift from God. It starts in, in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, for by grace you have been saved through faith. It's not your own doing, it's the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. It is a powerful gift of God. But salvation faith, my friend, listen to me this morning, is only the beginning of the journey. And I've said it as well before. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Whoever uh, would draw near to God, must believe that he exists. That's the starting point. And then that he rewards those who seek him. Let me say it again. The beginning point is I believe that you exist. The reward comes in by following him. By following him in obedience. That's when the reward comes in. Starting with faith is the best thing you've ever done. But if that has only stopped there, now you're just a normal Christian then things have fallen away from the plan of God. So what is that faith? What is that level of faith? If it's only going to be for you, I warn you, you're going to be disappointed by the end of this year. But if it's for kingdom's sake, we will both smile. So why do we battle with faith? Let me, let me highlight a few things. I think that is important, and I'm going to end with maybe how do we build our faith. Why do we battle with our faith? Well, because my faith... It doesn't always match up with my perception of reality. It doesn't always match up, so now I get disappointed. You see, I can believe God, Jesus is the Son of God, because the Bible says so, that He became a man, because history tells me that as well, not just the Bible. That He died and rose again, history tells me that, and the Bible tells me that. I believe that He died and He rose again. The difficulty with my faith comes in that He took my sin away. Now my perception is, but I'm too bad. I'm not worthy. You see, now this is only a small example, but so often it clashes and my faith takes a dip because my perception of reality is different. The next thing is why I think that faith takes a dip is because we don't know, we don't truly know, we don't truly get to know the God whom we profess to have faith in. Listen to me, my friend. Let me give you the most practical example of, of maybe of married life as well. Is that, you know, I now and then say to Carol, Carol, it is amazing. After all these years, I still don't know you. Now, that's normally not a compliment. That's normally when we had some an argument and she came up with an amazing thing that I did wrong and or amazing reaction to what I did wrong. And I say, yes, Carol, after all these years, I still can't figure you out. Now, that's not a compliment. But let me tell you something. I know enough about Carol to make me want to and will finish this race with her. What attracted me to my wife was not only her physical beauty, but her love for the Lord Jesus Christ. That was the first thing I went, wow, that woman is worth pursuing. She was overweight then, so her physical beauty came after her love for Jesus. (laughs) 
<laughs> he was a lot over right then when I met him. But I'll show you the pictures. You don't believe me. Some people often say, Rulof, how do you say things about that? Because I run faster than Carol still. I do run faster than Carol. Okay. But you know what? My, my attraction to this woman, my, the fa- you know why I will finish this race with her? Because I know Carol so well. I trust her. You guys, you, you, you will never get her because I trust her. I, I'm not jealous of nothing because I know. And, this, and so my, my belief, my knowing of her is so good that I don't have a fear. And, and God is saying the same. You know what? I think, my dear friends, the fact that we don't know God so well just lets our faith take a dip because we don't know him. You can tell me stuff about Carol and I'll just say, uh-uh. Or I'll say, yes, it's true. Because I know her. You see, and I have faith in her as a woman, as a woman of God, and as my spouse as well. You see, there's some of us who don't see God in action. So we fail to trust Him. You know, you won't entrust yourself with, with strangers. You won't let strangers intimately know and, and do something with them unless you've seen them over a period of time in action. God is the same is I trust God much more than I, than I do now. And I sometimes battle with my faith in God, but I just believe that he's gonna come through because I've seen him come through. Another reason why faith, we struggle with our faith is because the world, the flesh, and the devil often distracts us. And I don't, I don't wanna spend much time on this, but the world is my, this wisdom of the world often distracts me. All the ideas and the ideologies and the fancy things the world try and tell me about where we come from, where we're going, and what I should do, what I should look like, and gender stuff and so on, all that stuff is, is, is just a confusion and dips my faith. Uh, um, the flesh is my own struggles, my own sinful nature that sometimes dips my faith and also dis- or distracts my faith. And the devil himself has also got to go at me consistently trying to make my, to destroy my faith. So quickly, how do I build my faith? I think you know what I'll say is the most important thing. I build my faith foremost and, and, and the most importantly through what Romans chapter 10, 17 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. I build my faith most solidly through reading and studying and believing and acting on this book. Not your fancy ideas, not mine, not the latest prophetic word, and I believe in prophecies, but I'm also scared of them these days because I hear stuff and I go, ah, no man, it's not even close to this stuff. It doesn't even fit in with this book, you know, and and so on. And and that's why we've had some young people leave the church last year, you know what, Uh, prophetic words and stuff, and I say, I believe in the prophetic word, but let me tell you something, a prophet in the flesh can make mistakes, but a person telling you what this book says hardly makes a mistake. And I'll give you a, a simple example. You know, I, I just don't love my wife anymore. Uh, we have not gotten on well for a long time, and, and we're going to go through a divorce. I don't need a prophetic word for you, China. I just need the letter here that says, God hates divorce. Fix it. You know, I'm safe. I'm quite safe quoting this book. Prophetic words is tainted with my flesh and my own experience and my own desires and sometimes just my own thoughts. So, but that's what everybody wants these days. Give me a word, give me a word, give me a word. Yes, I'll give you a word. There's how many pages are on my Bible? 3,565. How many years have you got? No, 2,003 pages. I'll give you lots of words. Lots of words. How much time have you got? You know, and, and we must move away. The written word is still the most powerful way God speaks, my friend. And that's not Baptist. That's just believing it. 
That's just what it says. All right, so meditate on that word. Take your instructions with it. Build yourself up from what this word says. Deuteronomy 6, verse 6 to 7. And these words that I've commanded you today shall be in your heart. Teach them with diligence to your children uh, and shall talk your Talk it when you sit in your home, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise. In other words, constantly teach, speak, love this book. That is the word of God. Another thing that builds my faith is remind yourself of past breakthroughs. You know, sometimes I go, ah, and and I think, hey, Rudolph, you're stupid. Can you remember what God did for you last year or the year before or the other day? Don't, don't let this little obstacle destroy your faith now. God has given you breakthroughs. And, and in, your, in the lives of you, you know, here I am an Israelite. Let me take you quickly to the history again. An Israelite, I've seen God's power deliver me from Egypt, fed me in the desert, take me through the sea, water when a rock is struck, and all this, and now I'm at Mount Sinai, and we're almost there. And, and, and Moses disappears for a little while, maybe a month or so, he disappears, and he finds the law from God. And, and ah, you know what? Uh, and we make an idol, a golden calf placed in our midst. Aaron, we're going to worship this rather than that God that did all of that stuff. You know, if they just sat there and say, hey, wait a minute, a month when God has done all that stuff for us, we're going to hold on. We're going to walk by faith and not by sight. Moses is gone, but our faith allows us to understand God is not gone. God has not forgotten. Let's go on there. Another thing that, that, that should build my faith is the people that I walk with. Don't walk with skeptics. Don't, walk with, don't listen to skeptics. Tell the skeptics, I hear what you say, but go and tell somebody else. I'm, I'm listening to what God's word says. You know, I am tired of skeptics. I'm tired of horror stories about this country and about this and about that and so on. I want to hear what this book says. And that's what I want to follow. Is Thomas had that sentiment, hey, only if I see Jesus will I believe. And what did Jesus tell him? Blessed are those who believe when they have not seen. Blessed are those who have faith when circumstances say different. All right, let's go on to another couple of things quickly here. You know, faith can start a chain reaction like yeast. I come from a home where my dad was a baker. I know it, that yeast works. You know, we used to put it in the bread and, and then I used to go and punch the dough, you know, and see if I can make them flat again. And my dad was not that impressed. I didn't do it to all the bread, so don't worry. If you did buy bread from a bakery those days, I didn't do it to all. But I, it was quite fun, you know. You see the thing and I go, Kwah! and at seven years old, I think I, I thought I was strong. I was really strong, you know. Yeast can just make things grow. Your faith can make my faith grow. My faith can make your faith grow. And so tell your story to people. Tell your story of faith. No, 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 no. You tell them what God has done. Because sometimes what he has brought you through, I might be going through, and all I need to hear is, hey, he has done it for you, so I can believe that he can do it for me. It is important for us. It's faith is like a chain reaction. Um, different people's faith levels do affect us. I love stories of Smith Wigglesworth. I love stories of, of, of other people who have trusted God for stuff. And, and even if it didn't work out all the way, I just love their faith in God. I love uh, Billy Graham's faith as a student, as a young man, believing God uh, to give. And the souls God has given him is amazing. I love those stories because other people's faith will let my faith levels rise. And two or three more things. Number one, faith uh, is a process. Faith is a process, my friend. Is I may not have the same faith you have. You may not have the same faith that I have. But it is a process. 
and continue to go through that process. Allow God, you cannot see the end. Just live towards the end is my view. Something, um, sometimes a lack of something in my life. Here's another important thing. Starts the process of faith developing. Sometimes my suffering, my lack, allows the process of faith to start. So every year I've lost my business. That's a lack. What good can come out of this? Well, maybe God can start a process of faith that will blow your mind in 10 years' time. See, sometimes my lack, my disaster, my negative experience is a process of growing faith in my life. I've seen that over and over. And here's one more thing that faith is doing. That's what we preached last year from James. Faith is doing. Doing without faith doesn't work, and faith without doing doesn't work either. You see, let, let me remind you that faith is a, is, is a muscle. And like I said, God gives you that muscle when he, when he puts faith in you. By grace you have been saved, not by your works, but by faith. And he gives you that faith muscle. Start. And then he leaves you and he says, now develop that muscle. I've never seen a person, and we have all got muscles, go and sit in the gym, Nick, and just have a cup of coffee there and develop muscles. Have you? That's just the word of God. That's a prophetic word to you, you know. So, so, so that's just the point. Develop that faith muscle. All right. I close with a story of Stephen as an encouragement to all of you. And it's, I'm almost done. You know what? Ordinary people filled with the Spirit can be used by God. I didn't say will be used by God. I said can. Because not all of them are used by God because they don't all do. But here's an ordinary person, Stephen. You know, let me sketch the, 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 the church here to you. Uh, the, the, the women are starting to moan, the, uh, the, the widows, and say, nobody's looking after us, and we don't get any of the food distributed towards the, 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 the widows. And Paul and the apostles says, we can't do all of this. We need to appoint seven people that will act like deacons, work like deacons. They will do all the practical stuff for us. So we need to get seven people that will run this stuff for us. Look at the guys that we're looking for. What does it say? They were looked for men full of the Holy Spirit and faith. So now you come and say, you know what? I'm just a Sunday school teacher. I just park cars here. I'm just an usher. God is looking for people full of the Spirit and full of faith. And so all that Stephen did is he just started to serve practically in the church. Full of faith full of the Holy Spirit. You know what the result was? Acts chapter 6 verse 5. And Stephen, full of faith and power from the Spirit, did great wonders and signs among the people. It wasn't said about all the disciples, but said about him. Stephen started, and he probably thought, you know, I'm going to give this job up. You know, you know, looking after these whining old widows that always want more and have never got enough, and I can't change everybody's light bulb and take everybody's cat out of the tree. I'm just tired of this stuff. And I'm giving, I'm looking for something more, wow, kind of, man, I want to preach like Paul. I want to speak like Peter. I want to minister like James. But this stuff of looking after all these old tunnies just doesn't work for me. And ah, he didn't say that. He just says, I will just do it. And in, while I'm doing it, God demonstrated his power and signs and wonders among his people. Can you imagine if people walk through this church and you greet them as an usher at the door and they're healed on the spot there? I'm, can you imagine? I don't think it's impossible. Or they just feel the love of Jesus as they walk through those doors or whatever. You know, this is what Peter seems to have done. He just saw the power of God as he did something just very practical. So many times we, we reach the end of it and we say, you know, I'm tired of, 
of just serving coffee. I've done it. I've done it for so many years. I've heard that so many times. I've done it for so many years, Rulof. It is time I do something bigger for God. Leave the bigger up to God because he will grow that as long as you step. Walk, walk, walk. Exercise the faith muscle. Full of faith, full of the spirit. You see, so it's not really the size of your faith. It is the size of your God. And your trust in that big God that matters.